0: Well, hello again, this is Shane, and this is Heartlines. Now, I hope I find you well. Now, this is episode 46, but before I get into the episode, I want to talk about... Well, I want to appreciate the fact that anyone who's listening is listening to the podcast. As a small podcaster, uh, any people who listen in or share with a friend, I appreciate because uh, it's about growing that community. Now, this particular guest I had, uh, I reached out to his. his name is John Evoy. He is the founder of Irish Men's Sheds Association. Um, basically, it's to do with men um, and get communicating with each other and do workshops like, like to go to sheds, like physical spaces and... They uh, get to know each other. As as you get older, I know myself. It's harder to make friends and you know talk about your issues and things that affect them. And it's it's, it's hard. But uh, John shared his story um, very openly and honestly about mental health, isolation, being brought up on a farm in rural County Wexford, and from farming to community development, and it's really been a, a journey for himself. And, Myself as well, just to learn about John's story. Now, without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to the show. You're always welcome here in Heartlines, and uh, introduce you to the man himself. All right, guys, you're very welcome along to Heartlines. This is episode forty-six. Yes, episode forty-six. He is the founder of Irish Men's Shed Association. Has won many awards for his entrepreneurial spirit and working in the community. His name is Johnny Voy. How are you doing, John?
1: I'm very good, thanks, Shane. Glad you to be nice. joining you.
0: Where are you from john whereabouts in ireland are you from
1: yeah so i'm uh from wexford i'm in a little place called uh Cariborn, which is very rural county of wexford and i am in the house right now that i grew up in
0: so yeah so you're from the rural part of ireland i'm, I'm a city slicker i've never really lived in rural ireland per se my parents are from the west galway and roscommon yeah. respectively Now know roscommon i'd say if you, if you say someone roscommon that's fairly rural so uh, yeah yeah. so i do have a lot of uh i do growing up i did spend like many summers like in rural ireland but uh to live there it's a different story as you see i'd say it's quite uh isolated and it kind of in a way it kind of made sense that you went on and and became kind of a the leader of, of such a movement that is a very important especially in rural ireland you know having uh you know me, support from other men and being men especially be able to express themselves out with of their you know collective families
1: yeah absolutely and it's a nice connection and it is something i would have thought about before actually uh you know how does our our, our upbringings and whatever um and our experiences impact what we end up doing and i can definitely make connections you know, and. Not only really with, with with men's heads, but also the work I'm doing more recently now with Pro Remote, like there's both, you know, strong community element and building communities and both. But also, you know, with the purpose of counteracting isolation that, you know, different people's uh, groups of people, just in my case, kind uh, of experience, you know, but definitely would have been like... You know maybe not when I was so young, obviously, I was connected to school and everything else and teams that lots of people, but as I got older and I was working on a farm, uh, which I wasn't very good at or didn't enjoy, and you know, definitely would have experienced some isolation or disconnection, which I think gave me a lot of um empathy, maybe for some of the experiences that other guys that I met much later on in my life in the men's had. Like, so there's definitely a connection there, and part of my own personal drive. I think came from those experiences, even though I wouldn't have been aware of it at the time. grew, grew up in the farm and I was a, a, the only son and like it was milking cows and all that. And again, that's part of my story. I never really liked it, you know, and and and, and I, I I stayed farming until my uh, late 20s and um, yeah, moving away from the farming and doing other work and 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 I like, got into community development and working with people and uh, um, yeah, really opened up a whole new world for me. And it like, was life-changing stuff for me really because I wouldn't have... Uh, yeah i i would have found working on the farm quite isolating i would have found it quite i suppose limiting in terms of my own interests and stuff weren't yeah. it, weren't in line with, with that work
0: um do you have any siblings or do you have any siblings at all
1: yeah i have one sister but uh, my sister margaret get on great but uh Maggie had moved moved away so yeah it was just really and, uh, and yeah so it was would have been a bit isolating really and uh yeah a difficult enough time actually in my life in my early 20s and I would have experienced loads of issues didn't think I'd be talking about this today no but I did I, I, I developed addictions and i struggled with mental health stuff and all you know and again uh, very difficult at the time but in hindsight I suppose uh, you know, helped me become the person I am and helped me maybe have some uh, empathy and, and understanding for you know for ways of helping others or putting supports in place that other people could benefit from.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, me- mental health, especially, well, especially during, I won't go too much into pandemic because I think we're, we're blue in the face talking about pandemic. We, we, everyone's had experiences with the COVID and, you know, and, and, the, and the pandemic situation that like isolation, I'd say is even more like on the forefront now because people can't, I'm sure the men's sheds are suffering. I know you're, you're connected with the men's sheds. I'm sure you still have a connection, but you, you've moved move, moved on to grow a So you're not like, like, you know see. yeah yeah or... no I,
1: I again and it's funny you mentioned mental health mm. that's not funny really but it's part of the story yeah uh, like so i would have uh yeah given uh all my time and energy to the men sheds from from that period like the first men in ireland i think was like in 2009 and and it was 2011 by the time we set up the association um and and and, and from around that time right up until 2015 like i was fully involved and uh but I had to step back because my own mental health had suffered. It was quite ironic, if that's the word. You know, I, I was spending all day, every day, going around the country supporting guys around their mental health and wellbeing, as well as other stuff, you know, and the community development and and all that. But but I wasn't looking after my own mental health, so I got burnt out. So I ended up I took uh, had to take time off, and I ended up uh, it was quite quite shook, actually. And and I took a, a full year off work, and then. Um, when it, that year was up, and I was considering going back, um, you know, it's kind of it wasn't really for me anymore, and and you know things had moved on, things had moved on for the association and stuff as well. So it seemed like the right time for me to start looking at other things as well.
0: Yeah. Now, when you, where did the idea for men sheds come from? I know, I know it's uh, it's uh, an idea that's actually sp- uh, spawned from Australia in the '80s. So did you spend some time in Australia to get that idea to bring men sheds? more uh to the irish public than it was in australia i know it started in australia now it's actually quite popular in ireland now
1: yeah so not quite uh, uh, again after i gave up my work on the farm i started working with people i did a couple of different jobs but i got a job in a local community development project in, in new ross here um with the idea of getting more men involved so this would have been back about 2005 maybe and up until that time I suppose there was very few men involved in uh, community activity, other maybe than volunteering with like teams or GA clubs or whatever. But if you looked at community education or health promotion activities or community development, there were very few men involved and there was lots of women involved. So we were trying to get more guys involved and we ran a pilot project and uh, part of the, during the research to how we could do that better, one of my colleagues, uh, Connor, uh, would have been me, boss at the time. He was an inspirational fellow, actually. He, he was, I just remember the day really clearly he was whatever on the laptop. Or, so did you ever hear this thing from Mencheds from Australia? They seem to be doing what we we're doing. And um, that was the first time I heard about it, it was 2006. Um, the idea obviously stayed with me. Then in about 2008, there was a guy, a professor Barry Golan. and he was visiting Ireland, uh, you know, doing some presentations on the research that he had done into Mencheds in australia and he was presenting in, in dublin and in queens and in 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 belfast and met him and again that was a deeper hook then barry was another inspirational guy and uh um yeah stayed in touch with him like he really had all the info and the reasons why we should do it and and stuff so i i went out to australia the following year around 2009 um and I think with the support of the local uh, VC here in Mexford, it was VC at the time, now an ETV, and um, yeah, and that trip really was, I suppose, the turning point for me. I remember visiting several manchads across the state, you know, in, in of Victoria and uh, New South Wales, um, and um, yeah, just realised like it was so obvious that what they were doing was really great. It was. And I suppose in the context of the recession here in Ireland and, um, you know, we just entered the recession, there was like a disproportionate impact negatively on men, I think, of that uh, particular kind of crisis we were in because like the buildings had just uh, fallen off a cliff and there was tens of thousands of guys who were suddenly unemployed after a boom where they had big mortgages that like they were really struggling to pay, all that stuff. One of the appealing things about dementia that I spotted in Australia at that time is that it was such a, a low cost kind of model for an intervention. I wasn't really an intervention. This was definitely something the guys did for themselves. But um, compared to, I suppose, what we had been trying in Ireland previously, if people had an idea about doing something for fellows who might have been experiencing some challenges, it would have been like, or you make a proposal to a HSE or to one of the funders and, you know, you try and get a chunk of money and you employ somebody to deliver it. And uh, this is a very different model. It was basically just spreading the word about how fellows could do stuff for themselves if they wanted, if that was that they were interested in.
0: We've talked a lot about men's sheds in the first few minutes of this conversation. Now, can you explain to someone who's never heard of, of what a men's shed is? What, what, what's, what, what's a men's shed all about?
1: Okay. So I suppose, and there's a few ways I could answer that. One of them is like, if you looked into a, a men's shed, they all would have some similarities. It's usually like a community building. It could actually be a shed. It could be a lorry container. It could be a room in a community center. But it's uh, like for the guy, there'd be a group of guys that could be all doing different things. Typically, there might be some woodwork equipment or you know, renovating old bikes or maybe guys playing cards or definitely drinking tea, maybe a pool table. Some people kind of describe it at times, maybe like a pub with no alcohol or, you know, but kind of a social space for men to come together to interact with other men. And um, uh, the activities are really important because like it's the we have a motto in the Men's Association that men don't talk face to face, they talk shoulder to shoulder. So kind of and and that's really important. So it's uh, like, you know, if you had a broken lawnmower, for example, and it's up on the bench and you uh, there's a few guys working around it. You know, they'll all know everything about each other after a while. Um, you know, and that's how people come together by doing things. You know, um, and that's kind of the therapeutic value, really. Um, so, but all the activities, the woodwork, the metalwork, uh, they're really only the the tool to use to bring men together. You know, that might help counteract that isolation. That gives men the opportunity to support each other. You know, and and to I suppose develop, you know, friendships. Even it's quite unusual. Quite men aren't good at developing friendships, particularly the older they get. Like you know, um, and a lot of guys' friendships are are connected around things like sports teams or work. So as people drift away from sports teams and work, you know, you'd often have guys who be older. They might they might have lots of uh, connections. Uh, you know, they might know everybody. They might have, but they might have very few kind of real friends. And and I think that's one of the things that men sheds do really
0: well yeah I've uh I've looked at getting into Manchester because I'm I'm 36 now so I'm not I'm not young but I'm not very old but I'm in that kind of gray area because I do have a few small uh, group of friends that I trust I think trust is very important I think we all know people but do we really know them you know would we tell them our, like our an issue we have you know most people you probably wouldn't because it's all about trust you have to you trust them wholeheartedly that they will understand what you're going through and not judge you so much you know
1: yeah, of course, and and it's very difficult to develop that trust, you know. Particularly with somebody, uh, somebody you don't know. But I think I think that's I think that's one of the beauties of sheds as well is that like nobody's forced into a conversation. You don't have to talk about anything. You might come in, you might talk about the weather or a football match, you know. But equally, you might talk about something that's an issue that's going on for you. You know, uh, when the time is right for you to talk about that, whether that could be a health issue or a financial issue or whatever you know uh, but I think one of the important things to say is like nobody's under any pressure ever to talk about anything unless unless you feel up for
0: it. yeah so like there's a there's a brotherhood there there but there's not a pressure to you know bear your soul you know it's not like I know you Yeah, absolutely.
1: And some guys go to men's sheds sheds for all different reasons. It might be because they're genuinely interested in the woodwork and they want to learn how to make a table. And there's a guy there who can teach them. And that can be an achievement and an interest to theirs. And it mightn't be any more complicated than that. And yes, over the while, over the period, they're there learning how to make that table. They'll make friends. And that's a resource that, um, you know, can stand to people. They might never know when they need it, you know. But it's just great to have people that you can... uh, you can call when you need to. It could be some, if your car breaks down and you want, you know, who do I call? You know, to have a few extra numbers in your phone that you can, you know, just get, make that call to when you want. It. It's just fantastic.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. It's definitely uh, important to have someone you can trust. And if you have a group of people, especially with different age demographics, like what, what kind of age demographic would, would be shedders, as they're called?
1: Yeah, so um, again, I'm I'm out off the scene a little bit. Um, so, but I do remember some research we did, and I think it was fifty percent of the guys in the sheds were over fifty. That was way back two thousand and twelve or thirteen. So um, that that has changed. That would have been during the recession. So there were probably plenty of guys in their forties and fifties going into sheds who were from the construction background, who probably subsequently got jobs and moved. You know, so typically the sheds, if the sheds were open during the day. It was mostly lads who were, were didn't have, have work all the time that were going, um, or, or retired fellas. Now, some sheds open in the evening to facilitate people who are working. But typically, I think it was more kind of towards the uh, lads who are at retiring age that that are in sheds. So there, there would have been some young fellas in their 20s and 30s, but typically it was for a, a shorter period of time. They might go for a while and then stop going because they'd end up doing other stuff in life.
0: Yeah, I think... I think uh even my age now, or even maybe your forties, whatever, you might be, be a bit resistant to go and meet other, as you say, it'd be harder to meet new friends as you get older because you feel you have your small group of friends, but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get to know other people because you feel, Oh, look, what if they don't like me. There's still an element of, you know, fitting in it. What, what was that? Was that a challenge for uh, finding people interested? I know there's like t- over 10,000 people now, uh, Shedders. Was that a challenge for, finding people to come out, get involved in in being uh, part of the Men's Sheds kind of movement?
1: Not really, I don't think. uh, It's a good question. Like, I think there was, um, I think something kind of magical happened around the Men's Sheds, the way the perception of it grew so quickly. And its image was somewhere, you know, very relaxed and people can go and have a cup of tea and have a bit of crack and no real barriers to entry uh, compared to most other things that people would be involved in. So I think the name shed, the men's shed was very important. Like, cause, like, cause the guys are very smart, like, and they know a lot more goes on than just the woodwork or the metalwork. But yeah. So for example, the, like if it was called like the men's health group or the men's adult education group or the men's counteract and isolation group, should nobody go along to that? Like,
0: yeah. you know,
1: uh, but if it's a men's shed and like the guy, you know, so easy for a fella to roll up and say, you know, is this the place those other guys are doing up the 150, for example? And, uh, and yeah, come on in, you talk about the motorbike or whatever for a while. And yet like, you know, that guy might be the guy who's a bit isolated or a bit down in himself. He's just like building up the courage to go in, but it just reduces that barrier to entry. And the fact that people can go along, you know, for five minutes or five hours as well is, is, uh, a big deal, uh, and, and and makes it easy. Um, not saying that some guys weren't apprehensive. I suppose around the first few times they joined, heard lots of stories about like maybe where wives or daughters have dropped fellas off at sheds and encouraged lads to go in, and you know took a few times turning up at the door before they finally crossed the threshold. Um, but I think once they cross the threshold, that that's it. Uh, they're in there, you know, and it's very easy to be part of it
0: like any club or, or community is there like a, a president of each head or is there a, a leader who kind of like puts an arm around not now of course but puts an arm around a person and says look you're okay you're amongst peers here you, no one's going to judge you you're it's great to see you here you know it's better you here um, than being at home and alone with your thoughts and thinking you have the world on your shoulders which everyone does but you might have a family that you depend on and that's your main kind of calling in life is to be a, a father and a a lover sort of thing you know
1: kind of so so each shed is autonomous uh, we say except in matters like where the uh, you know that might impact the whole movement or whatever so like different sheds that have different structures so some of them might have your traditional um kind of committee set up a chairman and a secretary and the treasurer or whatever and other sheds might i like to kind of have kind of more kind of facilitate like where all men get a say in all decisions and you know take turns being facilitators or whatever but i think um yeah and some sheds with the people who'd welcome new members or whatever but i think they all work a little bit differently but i think there is kind of a common team where like existing members do look out for new members but they mightn't do it that in such a structured manner as that so it might be just you know, come in and, you know, do you want to look at the newspaper there? Uh, and that's it. Like, because I think one of the things that we've learned is that the guys don't, like, I, if you are new, I won't go up and ask you about your problems or anything like that. You can talk about them whenever you want. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In, in If you want. Yeah. 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 yeah
0: it's definitely it's definitely something that some men some men are more hands-on and some men are very hands-on as you said builders and stuff they're just used to being busy with their hands and as you say if you work shoulder to shoulder with somebody you'll they'll open up more than just like talking to you about you know your day whatever
1: Uh, absolutely i i mean that that is that that you know men talk shoulder to shoulder phrase really does sum it up you know uh because yeah it's like you know yourself even if you're going for a walk with somebody or watching a match with somebody or driving in a car it's often easier to chat to them than if you're uh, like i think there's nothing as awkward as if like you're sitting down face to face to somebody and you're talking like now you're expected to talk about what you need to talk about like i think that has to happen naturally you know yeah Um, yeah very interesting
0: no it definitely is i mean i've uh is there many, many men's sheds in Dublin? I know there's one down there. I'm in Tala. So I think there's one down um, Balrothery way, kind of towards kind of um, Main Street, Tala.
1: Yeah, I know. I think there was three or four men's sheds in Tala back in my mm. day now. But um, obviously uh, COVID has turned it all on its head, you see. And yeah, then, yeah. Well, Hopefully they're gradually coming back. I'd encourage you to get in touch with the Men's Sheds Association. Uh, uh, I think the, the, the new guy in there. And the uh, would be very much worth getting in touch with, but uh, particularly as the different sheds will probably open up at a different pace, you know, as the COVID restrictions are lifted. Um, and obviously a lot of the older guys in sheds would have been considered some of the more vulnerable groups when it comes to COVID. and You know, but it also should probably be the group that are probably fully vaccinated by now. So I don't really know where that stands. I'd encourage people to get in touch with their own, their local shed if they're interested. Now, we had a very similar uh, thing going on with Grow Remote in my current role. You know, we're, we're gradually coming out of the restrictions and, you know, uh, as a community organisation, the first uh, face-to-face activity is starting to happen. And I believe for Grow Remote, but even equally for Men's Child, I'm sure there's a pent-up demand for people to get back seeing their friends in in a relaxed and comfortable manner, you know? Um, i say people can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: now definitely I I think that's it I think people like it's been a year and a half or so you know of kind of waiting yeah just surviving Surviving. yeah
1: getting through yeah like life is to be more than just getting through it doesn't it has to be about enjoy it enjoy it and 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 um, I think that was one of the things I think that um came really apparent in the sheds as well is like gave people a lot of perspective about what's really important in life you know and you know maybe guys who had uh, uh, spent their, their lives making money and, and maybe been very successful and you know but then often when they came to retirement they didn't they didn't only lose their salary or their income but they lost their network they lost their social network the people who were close to and they began to realize how important like the camaraderie maybe work makes or the social connections that we have um, and like you know i think i think that's uh that was one of the things anyway that kept uh you know the message that we kept repeating and here and again and again like life is about the other people that are in it and, and you know and how you connect with them rather than about what you get out of it isn't it
0: yeah i i think i think life skills are very important i mean as you said like you could help someone fix a car or help someone do woodwork i mean i i wasn't very hands-on in school i i, I didn't do woodwork i don't home economics and even mm. even today, my cooking skills are not very good. So you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> so look, if you ask me to help you out on a job, I I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how to yeah. do the woodwork uh, thing. But that's not my. I'm more of a thinker than a, actually like. A, and
1: and and you know that's really important as well yeah. for anybody who might be listening that be considering going to a men's shed that. You don't have to be handy with your hands to go to a men's shed. You don't have to know anything about woodwork or metalwork, even though that's the kind of typical picture you'll see if you see a picture of a men's shed. Yeah. Like, there, there'll be a role for everybody. Mm. Uh, but it might be the guy who just chats. It might You might end up on a committee. You might end up in secretary or treasurer. But you don't have to be... Like, you can work all that stuff out as time passes, I think, that, uh, yeah... You know, and I'd be very similar to you. Even though I spent a lot of time in men's sheds, I wouldn't be able to, you know, make put stick three pieces of timber together to make anything uh, worth having at all. Like maybe kindling, I could turn a stick into, into firewood or something like that you know that's about as, that's about as good as it gets and even if that even at that i would prefer somebody else did it but yeah. i'll do but I, I i do all the admin or maybe if there is a funding application or something to be done around the shed i know i'm good at that stuff so there's a role for everybody involved
0: yeah i know i, I can make a main cup of tea or can I? I have 20 people expecting tea i'm like oh don't know oh, i'm gonna make a ball yeah, I know. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah or i can open a pack of biscuits <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'm definitely i'm definitely good at that (laughs) now you grew up on a farm so
0: my nephew lives in like westmead so like in their studies they learn about agriculture agricultural studies like in dublin we don't do that because farming is not really part of our existence like when you were on the farm were you what would you were you always curious about people about like you know because farmers can be harder than people because they they have have like their own structures and own, own, own things they want to do like whether it's dairy farming or... or uh, cattle yeah, farming.
1: I don't know. Like, I suppose, like, obviously, you went to school in, lo- uh, in the local town and you'd have people from all walks of life. And uh, I think agricultural science would have been one of the options. I didn't do that, even though I went on to agricultural college for a year. But I think the, the possibilities of what people could do, uh, like, they were, they were the same as anywhere. and People could apply, you know, CAO and all of that. Um, I think that there is an in like a certain inequality depending on your location uh, about like what your opportunities in life turn out to be. Um, but you see that all over the world. Obviously, if you're from somebody from a, a less developed country, you're less likely to end up doing certain things. And, and it's, but the same here in Ireland. And you'd um, and I know that there's lo- lots of good jobs like that you know, might be available in the cities that wouldn't be available in other places. And again, maybe we talk about it again sometime, but that's one of the things in Grow Remote that we could try to counteract yeah. and to level that playing field. But but also, I suppose, even in the cities, isn't it? Like, you know, you often see the research that's quoted about, like, you know, you might be from uh, uh, one part of Tala and, like, a few miles away in in wherever, Taren or something like, 80% of the kids go to college in Tala, like in certain parts of Tala it's only 8% or whatever and they're only a few miles away yeah. so I suppose, yeah, there's a, what do they call it? Uh, sociological geographic, sociological kind of stuff, that's a big challenge you know, to try and I suppose m- ensure equality for for everybody no matter where they're from
0: You don't know equality studies, explain what, like, what, what that is
1: Okay, yeah, so I did my master's in equality studies in UCD, mm-hmm. that's about 10 or 12 years ago. It was brilliant, it was, it was eye-opening, and I suppose what I did, I suppose I, I you know, particularly, I um, suppose, after giving up the farm and, and, and starting to work with people, I suppose developed a, like, certain um, set of values and uh, attitude to how things could be done uh, in the world to make the world a little bit better. But I probably didn't have the language around it or I didn't have the ability to create, you know, to make the arguments that I wanted to make or whatever. And I found that course brilliant, whether it was like anti-racism or understanding masculinities and or understanding, you know, um, the sociology of education and and, and things like that, that really, you know, impact, you know, the possibilities that people have in, in life, you know, whether it is, you know, your gender or your uh, where you come from or your race and all and lots of other stuff, like uh, education systems like that. Um so it was really good for me to get a good understanding of that and then start to apply it in me in, in my life. But I think the biggest thing I did was it equip me with the the words and, and the vocabulary I needed to be able to kind of describe what I actually believed in myself. Like you know, working with men's heads and there's would have been on one end of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum would have been all the kind of academic language that people would have used around masculinities like in college and like they're, they're, they're completely different, like, and I'd never use any of that language when you're going into sheds or, yeah. or, you know, but it did actually, it did really help inform me about like, you know, what to look out for and, and uh, and I think that there is um there is an issue like with people using over complex academic language, you know, in everyday settings. Where really, you know, kind of if you can't describe it in normal kind of day-to-day language, then you probably don't understand it that well yourself or something, you know. But I definitely would like. It was interesting to see some of those sociological concepts play out in Menschel's, but then to just describe it in very day-to-day language, like whatever about. Like the stuff you were saying about people feeling awkward going up or feeling that they don't mm. belong or yeah. people from different parts of Ireland having different opportunities or people from different parts of Ireland like even having different uh, uh, curriculum in school. Like that's really interesting. Like, mm. you know? Definitely. Yeah. No, yeah.
0: it is because some secondary schools are teaching Mandarin because that's where the market is. Like like I, I could barely do Irish and French, but the people, have, the kids are learning Mandarin. So
1: yeah, yeah. There is yeah, a bit. Great.
0: It's a bigger world out there, you know, and and they, yeah. they, they want the kids of today to be ready for that world, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's very fascinating. So when you like, you've done many projects. I've seen you've worked, you've worked with like your low If you worked the local traveller group, is that is that my right in saying
1: that? Yes, yeah, that that would have been back even before Sheds as well. So yeah, got to know a lot, lots of the traveller lads locally. Yeah, so yeah. friendly with some of them. But again, if you talk about a group that like are this, uh, in my opinion, like uh, uh, disenfranchised and and disadvantaged, uh, you know, um, I, I consider uh, that like Jesus, the traveller guys, you got a really raw end of the stick from in terms of the systems and processes that are in place, like in, institutionally, you know, and, and uh, um, yeah. Um, Great guys again, could see like the inequality at play in Ireland and that stuff and hopefully it's improving. I, I'm not in the loop with that as much as I used to be. Um, you know uh, but uh, yeah, it's just again, it, it's one of those things like you know I, I, all, like obviously there' been a lot of um, a lot of uh, kind of media attention to inequalities in different parts of the world over the last year or so um, and all but I don't think we have to go too far to see some inequalities and discrimination, it, it, it's fairly close to home at times.
0: Yeah, oh, it, it totally is. It definitely is. And we're learning more about ourselves on the edge of Europe. It's actually, like, you go around Ireland today, uh, one in eight is uh, it has like uh, of Irish people have been born outside of Ireland. So, like, that's a quite a large percentage of people who are from maybe Europe or South America. America. Yeah. So we're very much a, a multi-diverse... Uh, yeah 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 no, no, I, I would
1: totally like welcome that kind of <laughs> diversity and and you know i think ireland i think particularly if you think, and i mean this is again a fairly common uh uh perspective but if you think about our history and like i think it was two and a half million people left ireland between 1845 and 1855 you know and um welcomed well maybe you know we're welcomed all over the world or else they weren't welcomed and they experienced discrimination but either Mm -hmm. way it should teach us a lesson about how how do we want to be you know I think if people are struggling particularly people who are coming from like you know asylum seekers who are coming from really different difficult circumstances I'd like to think that would be the Ireland of the thousand welcomes that we that you hear about in the past.
0: Now, yeah. so let's talk about Grow Remote a little bit, like your new project, because you, you work on many different projects, and let's talk a little bit about, about Grow Remote.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Um, So I joined Grow Remote just six or seven months ago, uh, founded by Tracy Keogh, Rose Barrett, and, and actually several other people, they'd say themselves that grew up, grew from community, uh, a sense of, uh, you know, that remote working has got so much to offer Ireland that there's this massive untapped potential. Uh. You know, for particularly for like our towns and villages, um, and it was something really exciting to get involved in. I suppose it fit it neat, really neatly with my own career and my own perspective on life. I think that, and, and then and then COVID came along, obviously, and accelerated the move to remote work dramatically. But the other thing I learned from that was like it was I found really interesting. If you draw the parallel to back to the Mansheds, and and it was during the recession, so like and and like very kind of that when we go to really difficult times um people tend to remember how important community is and that they come together and do stuff together and then like uh in between when times are good like there's a risk that we forget that like and we drift away a little bit and everybody does their own thing because grow remote is a is very, bizarre similarity with the sheds. Like they've got chapters, we would have had the, had the sheds back then. And, you know, there's, I think there's 140 of those chapters now all over the world, about 70 of them are here in Ireland. And it's where remote workers come together and do stuff together in the local community because remote working can be isolating. Like, and that was ever before COVID, like when we were told to isolate and stay at home, you know? Um, but again, I think I think remote working be the biggest kind of transformation that we have in terms of how we live and work for a generation or for longer even like since the industrial revolution you know i think i I, i've got obviously got really strong opinion on it right now uh but i think in 20 years time uh we'll be looking back at like the last few years and and thinking that commuting was like the smoking of its generation like why do people spend three or four hours or two or three hours a day like sitting in their cars in traffic in pollution, um, to go to an office where they can work on a laptop that they could have just done at home. Like yeah. it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. And and uh, I think we're still we're only at the start of that kind of transformation. And if you think of how much, you know, if those two or three hours a day were like, there's a quarter of a million of people uh, a day that pre-COVID uh, commuted for more than two hours per day. So. Like, imagine how I mean, that's, like, half a million uh, hours per day that people could be spending, you know, with their families or volunteering in their communities, you know, or doing other interests that they're interested in or whatever. Um, and just, you know, it, it's just should be have a phenomenal impact on, like, our well-being, uh, on our communities, you know, on the social cohesion of our communities. I could go on and on, uh, but I obviously care about it. Yeah, yeah. Now,
0: one thing, uh, one thing that would, would uh, make remote work hard is a Wi-Fi signal. Some parts of Ireland, like you can go and the Wi-Fi is not very strong, but in Dublin, it's very strong if you live or even maybe on the outskirts of Dublin, a greater Dublin area sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think that, um, yeah, the broadband is just one issue. Uh, I think that there's lots of good broadband in lots of places over Ireland. And uh, I think it's getting better and better all the time. Uh, but we'd also be aware of other issues, like, so it's like, broadband is one part of that picture, but another like, you know, there's a huge in my opinion uh, uh, awareness raising campaign you know, for like all towns and villages to let them know about remote work, we know that there's something like 55,000 jobs uh, uh, remote jobs that people in Ireland can apply for right now, so they're not just Irish jobs, they're jobs that like companies in Europe and in our time zone uh, are, are looking to fill at the minute but they could be drawn down in Ireland uh, so that all saying oh there's no jobs around here that's just not true anymore you know no matter where you are in Ireland and it might mean you know if you don't have wi-fi in your house that you don't work from home that you go to the local co-working hub or the local broadband connection point or whatever but uh, you know there's a piece of work to be done on that I think there's a massive opportunity and of course the broadband infrastructure can, can be improved in some areas. But I also think, uh, yeah, we can't use it to stop the, can't use this to stop this movement either.
0: No, yeah, that's true. Now I'm going to leave you uh, very shortly, but I want to ask you, okay, you started out Men's Sheds uh like 2010, over 10 years on, like what, what's the noticeable changes you've seen in yourself? As a, as a man in 10 11 years from starting out uh, and growing wow. the mens Shed movement
1: uh, that's a, a good question um, I think I definitely I suppose there's a few things uh, I think I definitely have a better understanding of the world I think I have um, uh, yeah I've made loads of mistakes along the way I've, like I've been involved in some successful projects but I've been involved in lots of other stuff that weren't successful that we tried. And I think, uh, you know, that would tell me, I suppose, that it's not about, like, success and failure isn't a linear kind of thing. You know, there's ups and downs. And really, uh, if you keep plugging away, uh, you will uh, get there regardless of what your objective is. Uh, You know, and I think success can mean different things to everybody. You know, and I think, it's not necessarily about the job with loads of money. It could be about like where you live. It could be like how you live, you know? Uh, and, um, you know, and the impact that you have on the people around you and on, on society. I definitely, I suppose, yeah, getting a little bit more philosophical as I get older and accepting that when things don't go right. It's just like dust yourself off and go on to the next thing.
0: Yeah. So like, I know in the states, for example, failure is accepted. I think failure should be accepted, you know, in in life because in your in in the in the act of failure, you learn a lot more. If you are always hitting the hitting the notes, you're never going to learn.
1: I, I I agree with that. I think I think <coughs> I think more and more it has been like people are talking about it as part of the part of their stories, you know, and and uh, that's it makes the wins all the more all the more joyful as well. when you acknowledge, you know, the, the losses as well along the way.
0: Like Wexford hurling. Are you a big fan of no, Wexford? <laughs>
1: I would, yeah. No, I would I, I I wouldn't be a massive GAA fan. Yeah. I'd obviously keep a good eye out for the hurlers and the footballers, but mainly the hurlers this time of the year. And it, there's almost inevitably, you know, a, a, a match or two where everybody hopes get gets raised and then a match or two later they get dashed again. And we all say, ah, oh, sure, it could be next year. Uh, but that's enjoyable.
0: No, definitely, and having having some like Davy fits at the helm, like, he's he's always entertaining if nothing else, you know.
1: If nothing else, yeah, there's always the story <laughs> and all of the media attention and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. but uh, success success in that in, in that area now would be very welcome, all right?
0: So, future plans for yourself is is work, you know, closely to Grow moat. Anything else uh, in the pipeline that you you want to talk about or or are you looking? No, not to?
1: really, not at all. I just uh, I I think that is one thing that I've discovered. I think like. Uh, to do things well you kind of have to give it your best shot so this will take all my focus for the foreseeable you know and it's a very exciting time to be involved in that. and we're at that stage of an organization where there's lots of ideas and we're doing lots of innovating on a regular basis so yeah yeah no i'll be going to stick in with this now there's a lot of work to be done like i mean in terms of achieving the mission you know and achieving the impact uh, that i believe we can have uh, yeah yeah so there's a road ahead with, with Grow Remote, which is very exciting.
0: That's great. And you're back home. You are back home. Have you have you lived uh, far far away? No, oh, not really. Your life?
1: Lived in Waterford for a few years when I got married first, and yeah. then some shorter spells outside the country when I was younger, but like never for any longer than three months or so. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because like especially the ties from home, especially the connection with your family and stuff like that, it keeps the the bond strong. Because if you live in Australia, as, you, as you've been to Australia, seen. Australia, I'd say I've I've not really been to like you know Northern Territory or Queensland. Like it can be quite isolating in those parts. And You can see why Men's sheds uh, movements like grew grew quite well uh, from the eighties onwards because like isolation is not good for anyone. And yeah, having those Men's yeah, sheds.
1: No. Well, I think apart from a little strip down the east coast of Australia, I think it's the most uh, uh, least dense populated place in the world. So isolation would be something they experience without without.
0: Yeah, definitely. Are you on Instagram? Do you take any Insta in- 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 selfies? No, I'm not on Instagram. I, uh, Twitter and link- LinkedIn are the two.
1: You're on Twitter. Oh,
0: yeah. I'm on Twitter. Are you active on Twitter?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I, I am as well because um, I just like I just like you know throwing like little comments up there occasionally. Just like it, sometimes you might have something like funny or witty to say, and no one else will listen to you except for like maybe a stranger from you know over <laughs> miles and miles away you know it's a bit of crack you know whereas instagram yeah. is mostly images so i just post stories mainly but twitter is great you have an idea it may not, it may fall on deaf ears but still you put it out in the world and someone might go you know what that's not too bad you know <laughs> <laughs> grand okay. john right Grant, Thanks, john Shane. have a good one nice talk Thanks, soon you. okay cheers yeah, man bye bye take it easy see you bye and that was john evoy we worked on many projects and the Men's Shed, Irish Men's Shed Association is one one that's really dear to his heart and uh, he's moved on to other projects now with Grow Remote and you can find that as well I can scroll, talk about remote working here in Ireland and the world and once again guys I hope you enjoyed yourselves this, this Shane this podcast called Heartlines if you enjoyed yourself let us know how, how you enjoyed this episode I'm, I'm on Instagram at Heartlines podcast i'm also on twitter more active on twitter at heartlines and follow me there where you can connect with me say hello whatever you want um again if you enjoyed the episode please share in your stories or in facebook instagram wherever you use social media or just share with a friend verbally appreciate that as a small podcaster and once again guys my name is shane this podcast is called heartlines remember you're always welcome here in heartlines take it easy
1: and bye bye